Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Galit Speaks podcast. I'm so super excited for today. I have an awesome guest, Kalina Powell. Uh, Kalina is a young entrepreneur who loves to help people with their personal growth and educate others about the deaf community. Little do do people know, Kalina is uh, is actually a hard of hearing person. She became deaf at age of four. She recently graduated with a psychology degree and is now starting her own online coaching business while launching her book. Kalina, I'm so excited for you to be for you to be here. I mean, this is like such an amazing topic and and one that I never thought I'd be able to talk to somebody about. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about your story, and I know that you um, are deaf since the age of four. Was there something that happened, or how did that happen? Yeah, it totally happened, honestly. So I actually had an ear infection um, in both ears. So I know some people say one year, they're like, no, both ears. And Mm -hmm. so I had a specific ear drop. And there was a specific instruction that I think it was a very high dose of ear drop, I guess. I have no idea. And so my mom bought it to the daycare. I was actually going to daycare at the time. My mom and they didn't follow the instruction. And that same day, I actually became deaf. So within that time frame, when I went home and walked in, like leaving the daycare, that's when I actually became deaf. Do you, so do you remember what it was like um, before you were deaf or did you grow up mostly just knowing that you couldn't hear? Um, so I was a normal child, happy child, going to daycare, you know, I was very dashable to fly. Like I never stopped talking and I was just that one kid. Um, I was there, I was just a happy child, honestly, before I became deaf. That's awesome. And so that must have been, you know, losing it, uh, losing your hearing at four year, four years old. Were there some changes that had to happen in your life and in your family's life? And what was that like? Oh, my God. There's so many changes, you guys. You, oh, it's honestly so the first happen, the first thing that happened um, was when the audiologist my family are not aware of audiologists. They were they didn't even know there's a career exists called speech therapist. So my family didn't didn't know that exists. Like that exists. <laughs> and so um, my mom was a young mom. So she was in college. My grandmother was a nurse at the time as well, thankfully. So we were looking for my grandma's support and actually getting to know the medical industry. I think things would have been a little bit harder if she wouldn't know. And 
my family had a hard, a hard time adjusting it, but we had to like, okay, this is what happened. We're four years old, we have to suck it up, you know? Like, we couldn't, they couldn't show me emotion. Like, they wouldn't be like, oh my God, poor Kalina, right? They were more like, okay, how can we get Kalina to communicate while she lose her hearing? Because that was something that um, my family did for a little bit in terms of communication. Style was very different when I became deaf. And the reason for that is because a lot of people know that for deaf people, they learn ASL. I did learn ASL. However, when I got a little bit older, I think grade two or grade three, I actually tripped to the hand school four times and I stopped learning ASL because the hand school didn't help me with ASL at all. Um, so I didn't really grow up learning ASL, to be honest. My family wanted me to create that independence so that I'm able to speak, uh, especially when I get older. And my family was really thinking about my long term, you know, my career, and my future. So they said, you know, can we ASL? Will she be able to communicate with us, knowing that we don't know ASL? So that was something that it was a huge change for my family. Consistently making changes, consistently finding ways to communicate. Yeah. So- yeah what did what happened how you know how do you communicate um without asl um so i communicate through my hearing aid uh my hearing aid is very great it has a bluetooth it's just like an airpod so you just put something in here bluetooth with your cell phone the cool thing is i'm able to do it on my macbook laptop so which is really cool so i'm able to communicate through that that's awesome and um so did you learn lip reading at all did you go to um you know any special sort of courses or tutors for that kind of stuff um so very funny a lot of my well my only knowledge was telling my family not going older that Kalina's gonna be quickly learning how to lip read it's just something that the deaf community brain progress it's just how it is we don't know how we don't know and i did not take no course for that it just became naturally i don't know how myself like i realized i was reading lips until i think my audiologist took my hearing it off and then he was still talking to me and i didn't realize that i was like am i lip reading i mean how do i do that he's like it's natural because you're deaf deaf people just it just happens you just don't know and so i was like oh that's very cool and um so yeah i didn't do no course no program however i did a lot of speech therapists so they did help me a lot in terms of pronouncing some words and being able to lip read especially if i have difficulty understanding someone especially accent so a lot of if someone have an accent i cannot understand them however it depends on some accents not all um so they really do help me with that so that's awesome so how does that work so now that you know since the pandemic everything is kind of virtual and you do a lot of like zoom meetings and just the way that we're conversing right now there's sometimes a lag or like it freezes sometimes do do your hearing aids really help you with that or or do you just kind of like wing it when it's happening um well thank god for the technology has been growing um i actually use closed caption sometimes um okay. depending on what platform i'm using because i know not every platform has 
um, closed caption, like for example, Zoom Yard, they don't have closed caption, unfortunately. Um, however, I'm using my hearing aid to listen to you and also I'm also reading their lips as well. Um, so yeah, so it's, for example, I know a lot of my podcasts and Zoom meetings are all on Zoom, so which is great. So I was able to read the caption and be able to communicate, but yeah. Oh, that's, that's crazy. So how do you, I didn't even know that about StreamYard. And honestly, I didn't know that about Zoom, that it had closed captioning. Um, do you, it seems like, it seems like this is something that needs to be worked on with corporations. Um, and, and you seem like the perfect person to do that. Is that something that you, you do? I'm honestly making my voice up there. So I do have still have my clients and I still have other things that I want to work on. Um, just because I didn't launch my book too last year. So that's been a huge success to this day. So I do have a lot of things going on with my book and speaking for my book. So I will get there, but I'm honestly that's honestly my next step. Yeah. So let's talk about your book. What uh what kind of book did you write and and what was what was the reason that you wanted it out there? Um, they, okay, so I'm gonna go back. So the very first reading my book, this book is I'm gonna ask you a question before I go ahead. Have you ever read a book by a deaf author? I don't think so. That's why I wrote my book. Because 90% of the people I interact with never read a book by a deaf author. They never have. And I wondered to myself, why is that? And I realized that. There's no awareness about the deaf community. There's so many lack of um, audience for someone for the deaf community, someone that can represent them. However, it's moving forward slowly. There are slowly people coming out for the deaf community slowly. However, I realized that no one wrote a book. And so that's why I choose to write a book. And my book is a poetry book about me being deaf in the hearing community. And the reason why I choose to write a poetry book is because I realized that a lot of time when I read poetry books, there's no biography based on poetry books. A lot of time I read a poetry book, it's like something random, but never about someone's personal story. Unless it's like all over the place. But my book is like straight to the point where from when I was young to a young adult. And that's why and that's my book. Wow. That that's amazing. And I mean, I love writing poetry as well. And I feel like it's such a cathartic process. Was that the reason why you started writing poetry? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, the connections. And I want people to know that they're not alone. And I feel like poetry is the easiest way, not easiest way, but a great way to grow your audience, great way to let people know that your voice is heard and you're not alone. Yeah. And I, I love that because it's also, you know, nowadays people's attention spans are so much smaller. And so being able to just catch them and like have them just read a poem is, uh, is easier than, you know, having them read an entire book in one shot, but like really catch snippets of your life at every moment. In that yeah that's amazing what was this journey like how did it affect your mental health were there i'm i'm sure that there were hard times and hard struggles can you speak to those oh yeah there's 
so many hardships along down the way. Um, I always thought is when I couldn't find a friend that looked like me or someone that represented me in the hearing school. So it was very hard for me to make friends. Um, it was very hard for me to participate in gym class because when you're playing sports for a deaf person, they have to face you. They have to see everything like visually, like like a feel, like I have to see it. Um, so it was very difficult for me to participate in gym or anything like a big group activity. That's very difficult for me. Um, I did have teachers that, you know, doubted me a lot. And this is where it triggered my mental health a lot because I felt like, how are you my teacher? And you're supposed to support me. You're supposed to support your students. You're not supposed to let your students feel left alone. And a lot of times they felt like that in elementary school and middle school. However, in high school, it did got a bit better because I was able to learn more about my accommodation, what my needs are. And I feel like once you get older, you know what you need and what you don't want. And and honestly, truly, like my mental health slowly got worse, to be honest with anybody, because when you get older, you start to, sometimes I feel isolated sometimes, you know, because sometimes, you know, I'm exhausted from listening, you know, listening, my ears is really as my eyes because my eyes are tired. I can't keep up with the conversation. I had a long day. And so that's what triggered my mental health where it's like, I want to isolate myself with people. And just sometimes I can be, have like anxiety sometimes because of me being bullied in my past. And I feel like sometimes if I go ask for help, would this person make fun of me? Would this person not come to me? And a lot of times people are not aware of that. And that's something I always have to remind myself that not everybody is aware of how to accommodate someone who is deaf. And sometimes I have to consistently be advocating for myself and really teach people how to accommodate for me, even though it's a dark scene. But at the same time, like the only way that we can make this world a better place if we continue advocating for ourselves and really teach people. Yeah. So let me ask you, what are some ways that me as a hearing person, I could accommodate for you? Um, I would say just make sure that the closed captions on any platform you use. And also to just make sure that there's no background noise. I think that's very important to make sure there's no background noise. And also just make sure your screen is, can see the person. Um, and also to talk very clearly and talk very softly. I know a lot of people can talk really rough with their voice and I'm always telling people to talk really soft with your voice. Interesting. That Those are really good tips. And what are some of the things that, um, some of the things that they did in school to accommodate for you? And, and do you think that it was enough? Um, not really, to be honest. I feel like some teachers are lazy, to be honest. Some teachers are really lazy. And the only thing that they can really help me that I receive a lot from school was extra time. My accommodation, they use my accommodation wisely and consistently. But other than that, sometimes they forget to put closed caption on the music video or the video, or a lot of times they provide us like video assignments. So they're really good at printing out additional, um, like a like a closed caption digital for me to see. Uh, but yeah, that that must be really really difficult and. 
Did you consider, because I know that there are, uh, and, and I think you mentioned going to like a, a school that was specifically for hard of hearing people. Do you, is, is that something that you promote or that you think you had a really, an easier time there? Or how did you feel about your time there? Oh my God, my time there was so much relief. I felt like I was able to be, I was able to actually felt like I was seen. It's not more of a hurt, and more seen. And I felt like my accommodation was so much easier to get to versus the hidden school. And the teachers already know that they're working with the deaf students. They already know what they're doing. So I felt really confident in myself to do well in school versus the hidden school. And what about, um, did you attend college or did you think about attending uh, a, a college like that? No, so I'm located in Canada, Toronto, so we do not have any deaf university or college. Okay, yeah, that that's interesting. Um, I'm I'm actually I'll be honest, like I don't have a lot of information on the different schools here or the accommodations. I feel like this is why I wanted to talk to someone like you because when you kind of start this journey you don't know what you don't know. And I wanted to kind of open up the conversation so that people can kind of understand um, be, because it's, it's something that happens. It's something that we encounter. And yet we are not taught at all how to make accommodations or not taught at all what the needs of disabled people are. Yeah, I totally agree. It's very like it, it's sad, but at the same time, it's very difficult for someone to be consistent in advocating for someone. Yeah. So, do you find that? Um, I I mean, I I also don't live in Canada. Do you find that Canada is um, is, for lack of a better word, good for someone? In your situation? Um, yes or no. Um, I just wish that there was more deaf schools for the kids because it's not fair that the deaf schools are far from yeah. everywhere, you know, and a lot of, if you went to compare to the United States, there's so much more of the deaf school for high school kids and um, kindergarten, and I didn't even know that. And I was like, what? In Canada, there's like, what, six deaf schools across Canada, which is sad. And it's like, it needs to be more. And, um, but yeah, they're just in now. <laughs> yeah. And um, so do you consider yourself disabled? Um, yes because I have accommodation, I, there's a need that I need. And I know some people feel like that's a no type of person, but for me, truly honestly, I know that communicating with someone, it's like consistent. Like you, It's like 24 hours of our life we're communicating with someone. So I do consider myself disabled. Yeah, and um, what, you know, Thinking about that and and that sometimes the disabled are treated differently 
especially, I feel like this especially happens with someone that is deaf or it's harder for you to communicate, right? You have a little bit of an accent and do people automatically assume you're not intelligent and how do you work with um so i yeah i get that a lot people ask me like hey you have an accent and i was like no <laughs> i make it just the way i talk um honestly truly how i get around it i just always remind myself that not everybody will understand my speech and that was something that my family always taught me when i was younger was that you need to have a big smile on your face even though someone can understand you but it doesn't mean that you can continue to talk to someone. It doesn't mean you can't get yourself out there. And I feel like once you get yourself out there and talk, you'll realize how some people are grateful to meet with you versus people who can be ignorant. And that's something I always have to remind myself. There are going to be ignorant people. There will, will be. doesn't matter. Um, so that's something I always remind myself that not there's always going to be a good person there, but also there's going to be some ignorant people. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that have happened to you um, in your your life that you had to, you know, what were some of the hard things that happened with, with people and how did you get yourself through it? Um, yeah. Um, so I actually quit a job. Um, so we're during COVID. You know, the max situation was very difficult. I was actually working at the grocery store. And I think that one time during the interview, my hair was curling, big pop curling. So you couldn't see my ears at the time until I put my hair in a ponytail. Or I don't know what happened. And my manager was calling me across the store and she said, Lena, like, I'm calling you. And I said, um, so I told her straight up about like hey i can't do i can't hear across the story because i'm actually deaf and then she said oh so why did you not tell me that during the interview so i'm like why do i need to explode that about myself in the interview what's the purpose i would not get hired like you know and i was just so confused and i asked her why did you ask that and so she go and you know like i could have been better or something like that and i was just like okay no and so she did it again she called me again across the store the second time I spoke to her. And right there, I had to think to myself, like, I think I'm going to quit this job because she knows that I'm deaf. You're not accommodating me. You're not listening to what I'm telling you. After I told you that I'm a deaf person, I expect a lot more from a manager. It's not like she was a coworker of mine. She was a manager. And so I did not show up to work the next day. I didn't even call in or nothing. And I said, do this. I'm out and I she kept calling me three or four times the next day and I literally walked in there dropped a letter and said I quit like you know I and that was something I learned with that never settle for less and don't ever make someone treat disrespect you because rather whether rather you have a discipline or not like don't ever let a manager disrespect you yeah and um, are there protections in Canada against um, somebody firing you or or not hiring you because you're deaf? Um, it, I can't speak for everybody, but every job I get, 
they hired me off the bat. Even when I get hired, they find out after down the road. They never felt surprised or shocked. Um, but it really depends on company. That's what I learned. It really depends on how our company would accommodation. Yeah. And um, so I know you started a coaching business, right? Yeah. So what kind of coaching do you do and how did you get into it? Um, so because I graduated with a psychology degree, I actually met a, a professor who was also deaf. And um, it was really great. We had a great conversation. And, you know, it, I had a conversation about him about career. Why? Because I told him I didn't want to feel what I did when I got the grocery store. And he told me, he was just like, why don't you create your own company or you can do something on your own? And I'm just like, like what? Like you can't be a psychologist with your own clinic. Like there's no way. He's like, no, think about doing life coach. And then I'm like, what is life coach? And life coach didn't really exist four years ago when I first started university. And so I actually, and then I actually did my research and looked into it and I'm like, oh, maybe I can be a life coach. Maybe I can. And one of, and then maybe a couple months later, I actually met my mentor now. And I was telling her, like, I met my professor. She would suggest me to become a life coach. And so she said, you should be a life coach for deaf people. Like, there's none, if you think about it. And I said, me? I was just like, no way. Even she said it. And I was like, okay, no. And she said, no. When you graduate, look into it. Really think about it. So I really thought about it for, like, a good month or two. Did my research, and I finally spoke to my mentor, and I said, hey, I think I'm going to do it. So she's like, yay, perfect. And she walked me through the next step. And and then she, and then I got my first client through a friend of mine, my friend, my friend. And she also has anxiety, and and she loved my coaching. And I was just starting, you know, just starting to see what it's like. And I just love the fact that with life coach, which is psychologist, with life coach, you can actually create your own schedule. You actually physically work with the client. It's not like with psychologists, you work based on the book. And that's something I learned a lot versus the two. And that's when I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be a life coach then. And so, and that's when I started it. And that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this for life, for living. Yeah. I, I also, you know, I also studied psychology. And um, one of the things I'm also a coach, I am a financial coach. And one of the things that I love about coaching as opposed to psychology is that as a, as a psychologist, you can't tell people what to do. You have to kind of let them come to the, to the realization on their own. While sometimes I, I, I've heard from different psychologists, you're just like, sitting there like, oh my gosh, like, I want to like shake you, how do you this guy? Or like, what are you doing? Um, but as a coach, you can really give advice and, you know, give your perspective and tell people like how you think they can fix something in their life or how you think that they can think about something. I know like in, in a coaching session I had recently with a client, I, I was literally helping them reframe thoughts that they had, which is 
not necessarily something that you can do as a psychologist. Is that also something that appeals to you? Yeah, 100%. It really does. I feel like, because I love a friend of mine, because she went to a therapist and then she went to a counselor and she would notice in the different and she would tell on me. And I said, yeah, that's why you to be a life coach. Because <laughs> it's like, you don't get the realistic advice from a psychologist because with a psychologist, once again, they go through the book. They just make you learn for yourself. And I was like, why would you want to see your client suffer? And that's something with, with me. I don't like seeing my client suffer at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of psychology because I think that everybody needs somebody that's unbiased to listen to them. And, and I'm also a huge fan of coaching because I just feel like sometimes you are searching and you just kind of need somebody to tell you something in order to make it, to make it switch for you. It's kind of like a much faster way in a lot of things. Um, obviously, with a therapist, you've got to like really work through the emotions of your childhood and things like that. But with with coaching, you can you can have like actionable items that are happening in a very short period of time. Exactly, I agree. Yeah. So, what kind? So, how did you? What was the process of you becoming a life coach and was it any different because of your disability? Um, so the process is really tricky um, because I'm new to the business industry. I don't know anyone around me that's in business. Even my friends, they are just, you know, starting their life too, right? They are new to the afterlife of university. They don't know what they want to do with their life. I don't know. I'm figuring it out. And um, I think the struggle was to find a correct mentor for you and find the right people that can walk you through the business industry. Because I know there's some scam out there. So some people have to be really, really careful. And, um, but I'm grateful for my mentor. And I also had another mentor has walked, who can walk me through this. Um, so it was pretty easy progress when I found the right mentor. It was very, very easy. And um, getting clients was not difficult as I thought, but at the same time, um, it's more of like making sure that you are finding the correct client for your company, not just any client. So I think that's something that a lot of people have to get in mind when they're looking for clients, just make sure you're a specific client, not just random ones. So that was my progress of starting my coaching business. That's awesome. And how did you find your mentors? I honestly found out through networks. So I used to do a lot of like face-to-face networking in Toronto. And <laughs> I literally just faced my fear and said, hey, you know, I'm going to go through a random bunch of networking groups, network, meet people, who knows, maybe I'll meet someone. And I also found a mentor through a friend of mine who knew my, my mentor now. That's really cool. Do you have... Um... You know, because you are networking um, with a disability, did you change, uh, you know, like the way that you did it at all? Was it, did you find that it was more difficult or less difficult than other people's? Do you have any tricks? <laughs> um, for networking, it really depends. If you're networking face to face, I always have a goal of 
package of five people. And not to overwhelm myself because I can get really nervous when I'm talking to hand community. And I just kind of take a step back and be like, okay, what is my why? Why am I here? What is the purpose? Go back and speak to five people. And it's way to go. Checklist. And um, if it's online, it can be a little bit tricky because there's so many people on Zoom call and the closed captions don't always pick up. So that was something I struggled a lot um, with the Zoom. However, um, I like the fact that a lot of the networking changed the habits in terms of putting people into a small group. So that was something that I like. And I recommend a lot of the networking online to, to do that. And ever since I, they did that, they loved the idea. So it was easier for me to network with people better that way. Because it was a smaller group, it was just not confusing. And I was able to follow up with the conversation. Yeah. And so in person, I know that you mentioned that it's hard for you when there are big groups, right? It's hard to, especially when everybody's talking at the same time. And I know that in networking, a lot of times people go into like groups and talk and you might not be able to necessarily see everyone in the group talking. How do you deal with that? Um, I try my best to keep up, to be honest, I try, um, but usually what I do, and let's say, for example, we're done talking, right, and there's one person that particularly talked, and I didn't hear fully what she said, I will go to, like, go to her towards the end, and be like, hey, I'm so sorry, but, um, you know, I'll be honest with myself, and then be honest with them, like, hey, I'm deaf, I miss few of the things that you do, it's okay if you can repeat it for me. Um, and that's what I do really. I go up to them, do like a little follow up kind of what do you do again, just remind myself. And sometimes if if they have, um, I ask them for the business card so that way I remember like, oh, this is what they do. And I feel like once they give you the business card, you're more likely to catch up what they do faster. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's a really good advice. And I think that works for anyone because I know even myself in some networking situations, like, there is so much going on. And um, I am, I'm a weird visual person where I also have to watch somebody's mouth while they're talking. And if I'm not doing that, it's like, it doesn't always process for me. Um, so it, I, I totally get that of like, if there was something, somebody that you wanted to speak to and you couldn't really understand them or you couldn't re recall or remember everything that they said or process everything that they said, I totally love that idea of just going up to them afterwards and saying, hey, you know, there was, there was a lot going on and I didn't really get the full scope of what you do. Um, you know, can you just break it down for me again? Yeah. And then I have a, I have like another tip and I think I've shared this before, but I would love to share it with you because I think that it would help, especially if you're doing uh, a lot of networking. I have this policy of if I'm in a networking situation, I go up and that looks as scared as I feel and I start a conversation with them. So 
it's usually it has worked out. I've gotten clients that way because you know everybody's working, right? So if you walk up to somebody who looks like frightened and then you just start a conversation with them, they are grateful that they're not off in the corner somewhere and that somebody's talking to them and that they actually have a chance to network. And it ends up being like a really great conversation. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So tell me like what what is next for you? How else are you how are you promoting the book? What's thing you want to do? Um, so I would say last month I found out I was a bestseller on Amazon. Um, so it was just very big. I didn't even think I'd be super busy afterwards. And people like, oh my god, like you need to come talk on the podcast. And I was like, okay, this is a lot. And I thought, um, and also a lot of people have been reaching out to me to do a part two for my book. And I was like, wait, what? And I didn't think of that. I'm also right now, so what's next to me is writing a children's book. So I'm gonna be writing a children's book. I will be writing a disability children's book. And as well, I'm gonna continue doing more podcasts like this. And also to speak into more organizations. So I definitely want to work with organizations in terms of putting both caption, making sure that the, cap the caption is all platform. And just really speaking to schools, I am going to be speaking to another school in a couple of weeks in Ohio, Columbus, which I'm excited. I just want to continue speaking for different deaf students and keep inspiring them and as well making sure, I, well, not making sure, but hoping to get my um, my business globally, so which is I really want to achieve that. That's awesome. Yeah, I can totally see. I mean, your, your story is so inspirational, and I can totally see you. Like a, a, a speaker, you know, like an, a motivational speaker, and it lines up really well, I think, with coaching, right? Because it is the same thing. You're just doing it for kind of like a whole audience of people rather than just one on one. Yeah, exactly. So, what are the type of people that you do work with in your coaching business? So, like, if you were to pick your perfect your perfect client what would it be i would say i'm um, 15 to 35 years old okay and deaf um they're both they can be deaf but not deaf i do okay. want a lot of like younger generation to understand that because of honestly i'd want them to understand that there's so much more in life that they can achieve that's because of this whole new stereotype with, oh, don't work nine to five, be an entrepreneur. And I'm just like, this is way too overwhelming for a lot of younger generations. So I feel like it's very important that we do pass on these messages for the future. You know, our younger generation is our future. Yeah, I love that. So if somebody that's listening right now wants to work with you, how do they find you? Um, everybody can find me on my Instagram, which is Death Queen Boss. You can always DM me podcast, so I know that you're one of the listeners. And second, you can also find me on Facebook, which is Kalina Powell. And I do have a website. Woohoo! Thank goodness. Um, so uh, my website is KalinaEmpowerment.com. 
Wow, that that's awesome. And then what's the name of your book? If somebody wants to go look it up and buy it on Amazon right now. Uh, my book is called Every Day I Am Just Deaf. Every Day I'm Just Deaf. Yeah. That, that is an amazing title. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for being here. And do you have like a, a last nugget of wisdom or something that you want to share with the audience before we close out? Oh, yeah, and definitely. I just want to say that if you are listening, I just want to say that you are never too late to start your life all over again. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what disability you have. Life is too short. Continue way from the start. Continue, continue, continue. Doesn't matter. I don't care what it is, but remember, you only have life one. You have one life to live. I love that. That's that's perfect. And so, if you're listening right now, if you're listening on the replay, if you are watching this on YouTube or Facebook, please make sure make make sure to subscribe and share this video because I think this message and and just needs to be heard. And if you know somebody that needs to to hear this, or if you know somebody that's struggling with a disability or is deaf and just needs a little bit of motivation, I hope that you share this video with them because I think it's going to be a game changer. Thank you so much for being here, Karina. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And I, um, I'm Galit Speaks. You can find me on all the social platforms as Galit Speaks. And if you want to reach out to me, um, please do so. And I will see you next week for another episode. Have a good night, everyone.